Blog Talk Radio. It's August 27, 2017. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living radio show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and David Fillion. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember that good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Having said that, we certainly hope everyone had uh, and enjoyed this past week and that you had a lot of fun and stayed safe. Also, our prayers go out to those in the uh, Texas area that have endured and incurred this a uh, massive hurricane, and now a tropical storm that's come on shore. Uh, we wish them the very best, and, and again, our thoughts and prayers are with them. Uh, best of wishes. Uh, on to announcements. Uh, we have uh, a number of announcements tonight. First of all, happy birthday, UAW, 82 years old. While formed in May of 1935, the UAW uh, was actually chartered on August 27, 1935, today. Again, happy birthday, UAW. We're all proud to be members of this great organization that's now 82 years old. I appreciate it. Uh, announcement number two, remember uh, that Team Working for a Living uh, supports Medicare for everyone. Uh, this is something that Congressman John Conyers from the Detroit area has been uh, putting out since 2004. I know I've been aware of it for a number of years uh, uh, shortly after he started uh, proposing that in Congress, Medicare for Everyone. And we thank the congressman for having the vision to have done this 13 years ago. And I think I was made aware sometime in 05 or 06. Uh, others have uh, subsequently mentioned that. Uh, to many of us in the show, but uh, uh, that route is from uh, John Conyers, Congressman John Conyers. Thank you, Congressman, for having the foresight uh, to do that every year, every term of Congress since 2004. Thank you. Uh, announcement number three, Team Working for a Living continues to, to oppose the Working Families Flexibility Act. Announcement number four, Team Working for a Living proudly continues to stand shoulder to shoulder with the Michigan building trades against the legislation introduced to, re to repeal Michigan's prevailing wage. They have renewed their request to decline to sign any petition you are presented with that has anything to do with prevailing wage. Again, we support our sister unions, and when we work together with them, we as a union are best. So... Uh, we stand with them unabashedly and proudly. Thank you very much. Announcement number five, there's a new Cadillac coming to General Motors Lansing Grand River assembly plant. That's good for the uh, long-term stability of the people there in Lansing. Announcement number six, uh, FCA intended purchase of Jeep. More on that later in the show. Uh, announcement number seven, General Motors Chair Mary Barra 
has been elected to the Walt Disney Board of Directors, adding to her cash flow. Announcement number eight, President Trump's newly appointed Republican Department of Labor announces it will honor Ronald Reagan, the man who broke American labor. Patco, everybody remembers Patco. And that started a snowball effect against labor. We really question that uh, activity there by the current president as being good for the people that helped to get him elected. Announcement uh, no, number nine, uh, as a reminder that on April 3rd, 2017, President Trump signed H.J. 69, H.R. Resolution 83, and H.J. Resolution 34 into law. More on that a little later in the show. Announcement 10, Lear Manufacturing intends to set up shop in the vacated uh, General Motors Buick site in Flint. I know the people in Flint will be happy to have that work come to their area. We used to live there, right downtown. I used to walk to work at Chevrolet Flint Manufacturing. Uh, announcement number 11. Uh, UAW Local 6000 has an issue being considered by the Michigan Civil Services Committee on Wednesday, September 20th, 2017. Members are being asked to attend. For information, please call 800 800- 243-1985. Again, that number is 800-243-1985, and you'll be directed to time and place for that meeting. Announcement number 12, uh, early Chevrolet bolts may be at risk for sudden loss of propulsion. Lose your power right in the middle of the street. The owners of the potentially affected bolts should have their vehicle inspected immediately get a hold of your dealership and have them check you out if you own a Chevrolet Bolt, the early one. So that's uh, that's pretty serious one there. Okay, announcement number uh, 13. Uh, Ford is being sued over inferior design of lug nuts. We don't have too much more on that. They look like they were rounded off and uh, might have been a uh, materials problem, but we'll see. Now it's for number 14. we got to have a little fun here. <laughs> Congratulations go to Mavisel Wansky of Ch- Chicopi as the winner of the winning Powerball number ticket for $758 million. After taxes, she took home $417 million. Again, Congratulations. But just as a side note, I want to let everybody know that she's just a piker. Because compared to Mark Fields, the former CEO, she got less than half of his take-home money. Double hers would have been $834 million if she doubled it. And Mark Fields, the former CEO of Ford, got $858 million with no taxes on his pension because they were typically uh, – the benefit of uh, life insurance policy is paid out on uh, retirees that had um, passed away that they've uh, done with the dead peasants insurance. You heard us cover that a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, actually um, early in, or mid-April, I guess it was. Uh, and we spoke at the Capitol on uh, May 1st, and 
21 days to the day later, Mr. Mark Fields was fired from Ford. Not sure why, but he got his pension. Uh, okay, let's go to messages and email. Uh, first one uh, was good show last Sunday. That's from Michigan. Thank you very much. We we tried. That's uh, two Sundays ago, but we repeated it last week. So you know, we we tried. We found out some information everybody ought to be aware of. Uh, it appears as though uh, the problem is from the year end of 14 to the year beginning 15. Every uh, amount of money that comes in, okay, any transfer, any receipt, transfer, or expenditures of money need to be a line item within the year. It is inappropriate, according to the generally accepted accounting practices by put out by FASB, or at least uh, uh, the uh, result of FASB, FASB, uh, that you make line items for things. You are not supposed to make adjustment between the two years. That's unacceptable accounting practice. Uh, and arguably, we still haven't heard where that money went or how it was uh, derived. The uh, Constitution Convention approved $25 million to go to the VIBA, the UAW VIBA, not the one that's uh, commonly known for the uh, hourly workers, but they have their own for their staff workers, $25 million of that. They had a, uh, had a uh, um, court order that they do uh, bring their VIBA up to fully or funding uh, to appropriate level. And then they had uh, $60 million over four years. Uh, so this discrepancy was 57 million and some change, almost 58 million. So we still haven't heard uh, what we'd like to hear about that. That's two weeks hence. Um, email or message number two to all the listeners of this Working for a Living radio show. Continue to hold the vision of the future that you want for your families to live in. That's from New York. Continue to hold the vision of the future you want your families to live in. That's not just to exist. That means to prosper. We here in the show and on the team agree with the person from New York. Thank you very much for that. Announcement number three, or email number three, uh, uh, country before greed, country before profits, and country before party. That's from Kentucky. Um, we believe our country should come first, maybe not before family, but certainly before greed, profits, and party. Uh, so let's let's work on making our family life better. That's something we'd like to see. Number four, uh, with all that is going on now, we need tolerance, acceptance, and unity in our country more than ever. From Missouri, we agree. We agree. Announcement or email number five, uh, start saving your pennies because they're going to play hell ratifying a contract in 2019. That's from Kentucky. I'm guessing with all that's been coming out that it's going to be a little tough 
in 2019. Uh, now, number five, uh, we had several uh, of these uh, this week, in the past week, two weeks, because we had an encore show last weekend. Uh, the number six is I do like the station. It's informative, current, and relative, and that's from Ohio, Kentucky, and Michigan. And uh, we had some others that uh, different states that I didn't put in here. But thank you all for that. We do try to be informative for the members and give you a sense of who and what we are as leadership uh, and aspiring leadership for our UAW. Uh, announcement seven. Uh, wow, this is more personal. Uh, Leroy, I just Googled you again, and I'm still impressed as to your achievements in helping the memberships, membership over decades. And that's from Tennessee. Well, thank you. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, it, I didn't uh, uh, just start this last week or last month or two or three months ago. This is something that I've been doing my whole adult life. And it's well documented. Anybody that wants to Google me, Leroy McKnight, Leroy McKnight Viva, Leroy McKnight GM Retiree, uh, you'll see uh, uh, Leroy McKnight Dental and Vision. Uh, you'll see uh, a number of things come up. Uh, that's just by way of giving you a, a hand on what to Google if you want to find out all the stuff. I want to, you know, of course, thanks to all of our email writers and messages that have come in. We really appreciate it. Next up is uh, this week in Worker News. But first, let's have this week's quote. Again, there's two of them. The first one is, a movement takes an investment in time, dedication, and sacrifice and leads to success. A moment is void of all such sacrifices. Again, a movement takes an investment in time, dedication, and sacrifice and leads to success. A moment is void of all such sacrifices. Okay. The next one, uh, oh, by the way, the author of that is unknown. It's published enough, but it's unknown. Uh, and we have uh, the second quote, a house divided cannot stand. And that's from Abraham Lincoln's house divided speech. A house divided cannot stand. Okay, let's bring on our uh, co-hosts, uh, Jeff Brown and David Fillion. Let's start with Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Are you there? Hi, Roy. How are you doing tonight? I'm here. A little, a little <laughs> sore, but I'm here. A little sore. All right. Okay. Well, it's, uh, we had a big uh, barometric pressure change here, so uh, anybody has got any uh, sort of barometric pressure issues, they, you know, it kind of flares them up a little. Uh, so I hope yep. you're uh, uh, feeling better as that uh, gets uh, settled out a little bit. Uh, David, are you there? Yeah. How you doing, Leroy and Jeff? Hey, Dave. Doing pretty good. How are you doing, David? 
I'm doing okay. Um, do I sound good? Um, we got a storm moving in, and uh, it's pretty much dark here now. Um, okay. All right. Uh, you do sound good at the moment. A little bit. You're you're breaking up, but I believe that's on my end, not you. Um, I can I do understand you, but I just wanted to be sure if I was clear. Yeah, you sound good. If I if the call drops, I'll call back in. Sometimes that happens to me when we have a star okay. roll in like this. Okay. Uh, well, in that case, uh, you prepared for your uh, report first. And, uh, it doesn't matter if you want to do that, Leroy. Well, because of the weather situation in your area, you know, if, if we still have you, go ahead. Uh, if if I okay. if I uh, drop you up, I'll let if we you know we can't hear you, I'll send you a PM on Facebook. So, okay, go ahead. All right. Um, it's been reported that uh, Chinese um, automaker Great Wall like to purchase um, Fiat Chrysler automobiles, um, although there's been no public offer um, to this date yet. Um, they would like just the Jeep brand. Um, I'm not thinking that's a very good idea, and I'm not thinking Marcion would agree either um, that just selling off the Jeep brand would be a good idea because that would leave, you know, pretty much the rest of Chrysler unsold. And they would still have the Ram and uh, they have Maserati. And then you have the Chrysler um, section of the company. Um, those are mostly automobiles. And that sector could possibly drop below 1% of the market share. And if that was to occur, you could pretty much bank on plant closings. And as we all know, um, all three, Detroit three, have been left um, hanging out in the wind with no clawback language in regards to um, moratoriums on plant closings. So... That's not not some good news. Um, hopefully, um, Marcion doesn't do that. Um, it would be more likely that he would um, sell Jeep and Ram together and would still be bad news for um, the Chrysler end of the business. A little bit about the Great Wall. Um, the company was founded in 1984. It's headquartered 90 miles southwest of Beijing. They have uh, 71,617 employees. And their market capitalization, um, the value of the company's stock is $15.2 billion. That information came from Forbes. Um, in comparison with Chrysler, FCA, Fiat, um, they have 234,499 employees, and they have a market cap of $38.54 billion, and that information came from MarketWatch. Um, so that's a little bit of information on that. Do um, you guys have any opinion on that? Jeff, you got any thoughts on that? Um, 
a little one. If I remember correctly, back in the mid to late 80s, Iacocca bought out American Motors just to get the Jeep brand. And then American Motors just shut down. You guys remember that? I, I, I remember, remember that. that too. Yeah, I just bought he, he bought them out, shut them down, but he really wanted a Jeep brand. And the uh, Jeep plant in Toledo does not, they are not in the uh, Chrysler National Agreement. They have their own independent contract, from what I'm hearing through friends who work down there. Well, it's a little bit of history. Yeah, uh, it, you know it's it's really problematic for the Jeep workers in Toledo. Uh, you know, because if this actually occurs, uh, it could leave them as standalone essentially here in the United States, and uh, uh, you know they wouldn't even have flow between Chrysler uh, facilities. Uh, or the FCA exactly. facilities. Uh, so uh, this is uh, quite problematic, any downturn in the market. And, and we're already seeing uh, soft sales. Uh, so, the, you know, we got to be real careful about what occurs and uh, what uh, is uh, agreeable, to, you know, because while, you know, the companies do what they want to do, but we, we still have a contract and a little bit of input to all that. So... Uh, hopefully, uh, the folks that are in leadership now understand how uh, potentially harmful this uh, purchase might be. And um, uh, with the thought in Congress these days about uh, uh, foreign companies uh, and uh, American companies, there might be uh, a little pushback from Congress uh, on disallowing them from uh, making this purchase. I mean, some of these things uh, at that level uh, can get uh, sidetracked by Congress itself. So let's keep our eye on that real close because our uh, I don't know that we can have a call to action for anybody just yet, but there may be uh, that we have a call to action. So let's keep an eye on it and, and watch. Uh, so... That's my thought on it, David. Uh, so, okay. anything right. else? Um, oh, you yeah. want to touch um, base? Yeah, Go ahead. we were going to talk about this last week, and then um, it was decided that we wouldn't have a show. Um, this has to do with um, Norwood Jewel's birthday gift. Um, what do you guys think about this? Let's walk the timeline down. Um, Norwood Jewell's assistant, Nancy Johnson, that's his administrative assistant. And uh, an administrative assistant's pretty close to the vice president. Um, We all know that. Um, She um, was, as of last fall, still employed. Um, She did retire last fall but she was still employed. Um, Media reports that 
she was paid $136,665.15, her last full year of employment. Um, it was her suggestion to um, Verdell King that she purchased the shotgun for Norwood. And she's accused of uh, purchasing that with NTC training funds. And Norwood received the gun in 15. And media reports that Norwood didn't find out until early 16. That would be, you know, I don't know what they're talking about early. It's vague, but you would think January, you know, February, March, maybe, or that's the early part of the first quarter of 16. He finds out that uh, this gun was purchased with NTC training funds. Um, it's not really clear um, when Verdell um, retired, but uh, Nancy, um, she she may, she remained on from um, until the fall of '16. That's a month. Um, how come she wasn't let go? And then we have. Dennis Williams in his statement that his first knowledge of any of this was in January of 17 when the Department of Justice contacted the UAW. This all doesn't add up. Um, I'm not buying any of it. How about you guys? Well, let's uh, be a little bit clear uh, that it's our understanding, and the media reported that Norwood Jewel did uh, refund the money from his own personal monies, evidently. It does say that, yes. To the National Training Center. So we want to be clear that he returned the money uh, from his own personal money for the uh, uh, shotgun that he received that was purchased by a credit card, uh, as reported. He discovered, that, the, he discovered this in early 16 and reimbursed the funds. Right, right. So. And she remained on until the fall right. because AA did. It was her suggestion that Verdell purchased the gun. Right. So you That's wonder why, point. yeah, why, you know, uh, corrective measures weren't taken uh, for such egregious uh, activities and actions. So, um, Would you fire me if I did that? Well, uh, you'd... I, <laughs> <laughs> you'd be, you'd be, as you know, David. I'm, I'm uh, uh, I don't know if we call it a firing, but there'd be a resignation letter uh, accepted. <laughs> so uh, it'd be a vacant seat uh, in that chair that you used to sit in. Uh, and uh, we, yeah, we, you know, as you know, we uh, are uh, run a sort of a tight ship. Uh, even within our our uh, our own caucus, and as we find things uh, in some of the plants where they have, for example, a, a narcotics felon, drug dealer, uh, supposed, we'll, we'll just call him narcotics felon because this, this was possession. We don't know if he was dealing uh, a substantial amount of uh, narcotic, uh, and we find that out that he was actually a 
elected official, we we took action, and it appears the Department of Labor is the one that uh, actually came in and removed him, even notwithstanding that current leadership knew it and did nothing. So, until forced. Uh, so, uh, that's our uh, story, and we're sticking to it because that's what we were uh, led to believe by. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, we we sort of uh, make sure that things are running. And, the, you know, when you have a loose ship, people will wander all over doing all kinds of things. When you run a tight ship, people know not to cross the line. There's a line. Everybody knows where the damn line's at. Everybody knows where the line's at. There's no question that this woman knew that she crossed the line when she bought a, a, a weapon, shotgun, with training center funds. So uh, she felt okay to do that because it seemed to be an okay thing to do because the leadership is not managing the UAW they're just there collecting all they can, and everybody's a happy little party there. Like we said earlier in an earlier show, totalitarian mindset. Mindset. We can do anything to anybody at any time with impunity. Do anything. I would say we, I would say we do know that not everybody who works inside of the glass walls of solidarity houses happy. Well, that's agreed. But when you run a loose ship, there's enough people that feel that they are empowered to do whatever they want. You're you're correct, though. There are some very, very, very good, good people, people, staff members, and support staff. Uh, and so, uh, and this this was rumbling around Solidarity House for a while, believe it. So I'm not buying the idea that. Somebody just found about it in January of 16. So we'll just, you know, that's his story. He's sticking to it. So whether we believe it's another thing. Uh, Jeff, you got any comments on that? Um, yeah, people who have crossed the line, I go after them. Yeah. I always have. I always will. And um, a few people in my plan are afraid of me right now. And they're going to be more afraid of me starting tomorrow. I'm going after some people. For uh, a little bit of corruption going on in our local. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, it needs to be addressed so that, you know, it stops. Needs to be addressed so it stops. Yep, and it, you know, anybody listening, anybody that's listening, and we know you are, we're not going to make your life miserable. But don't cross the line anymore, okay? Just don't cross the line. Because okay. like Jeff and like David, I'm like what they're saying right now, and we will hold our union to account. 
when reports are made, the ending balance for one year is going to equal the beginning balance of the next year. It's just simply going to be that way because that's the correct and proper way. Anybody that's caught crossing the line is going to be having to account for that. We're not authoritarian, dictatorial people, but this is a nonprofit organization responsible to the membership. And the membership, quite frankly, deserves better. They deserve somebody, a group of leaders that are going to come in and make sure that everything's accounted for and it's properly run. And the contracts are not given away because of favors. Not going to happen. We run too tight a ship. And Jeff and David and all of those behind the scenes that you don't know about absolutely know that. We talk about it. We talk about what to do. And in the case of a narcotics felon, we acted. We affected that. We made sure that the UAW Constitution and federal law were adhered to. And we were the only ones doing it. Thank you, Brother Jeff Brown, for sticking up for your membership on that on that regard, and all of your team in your local union, everybody. It took a lot of courage to do what they did. So, uh, yes, it did. so I think that beat that one to death. Uh, uh, David, uh, you started something. You want to talk about those uh, resolutions that were signed a while ago? Oh, um, no, I really wasn't. Um, that slipped my mind. Um, okay. All right. Well, just uh, they were uh, very important resolutions uh, that were signed. Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. They were signed by uh, the president, uh, and uh, one of them, uh, as I recall, uh, dealt with the reporting uh, by corporations of their safety re- reports, and they only have to go back six months now instead of having a historical record that OSHA can keep uh, a, a good record and develop a pattern, and when anybody goes above the pattern, they go in and they can then address it. Uh, and that reporting's now been limited just to six months essentially handcuffing OSHA from doing their job. And this was done because uh, the bad companies complained so much uh, because they were having to pay, uh, and they blamed it on the lawyers finding this information out, and that's how they had to uh, enforce things. Well, you know, if you have a bad company, you have a bad company. You, as president, shouldn't be sticking up for bad companies. You should be sticking up for the people in the company. So that's one of the three. Uh, so I'm looking there, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
having said that, uh, Jeff, you want us? Uh, unless you have more, David. I'll, I'll... I found it, Leroy. Okay. Um, All right. What we have is um, Trump signed H.J. Resolution 69, H.J. Resolution 83, H.R. 1228, and S. J. Resolution 34 into law. Um, H.J. 69 nullifies the Department of the Interior's Fish and Wildlife Services rule relating to non-substance taking of wildlife on natural wildlife refuges in Alaska. Boo. Um, H.J. Resolution 83, which nullifies the Department of Labor's rule titled Clarification of Employers' Continuing Obligation to Make and Maintain Accurate Record of Each Recordable Injury and Illness. That's what you just described. Um, H.R. 1228, which provides for the appointment of members of the Board of Directors of the Office of Compliance to replace members whose term expire during March and May of 17, and S.J. Resolution 34, which nullifies the Federal Communication Commission's rule on privacy of customers of broadband and other telecommunication services. And that's um, all those resolutions that he signed with it. Right, none of which were good for, you know, yeah. making America My apologies for not having that right on top. That's, that's okay. That's fine. We... we Discussed it uh, briefly in the call yesterday. So, uh, and and we've had a number of conversations since uh, in top on other topics that you had to discuss. So, uh, so Jeff, uh, are you uh, ready to go with your series uh, one of the? Uh, uh, my computer's kind of messing up here for some reason. Just had a spike in it. I don't know what that is. Maybe we have lightning close by. Uh, are you prepared to go? With your report on the uh, uh, series, first series on the, the UAW Constitution. Yeah, I can do that. Uh, but first, I wanted to touch on something that's in the Constitution. If you go to the UAW.org website, um, there's some information that was in there in 2011 contract bargaining negotiations and there was also some information on UAW's position on immigration. Um, first of all, let's go with the contract uh, resolutions for 2011. It, it was, they posted it right at the bargaining convention, their strategy. Um, it was 77 pages long, and not one word of it mentioned pay raise or benefit increases for anybody who was in the membership or retirees. Um, it mostly talked about what Ford has, what they call Appendix J, continuous improvement. Now, GM has their own thing. Um, the 2015 agreement, their bargaining position is not posted for some reason. 
you know, different different presidents, different international executive board. Um, the next one concerning immigration. I lived in Texas as a kid for for years, and a few years back I found one of my high school baseball players um, on Facebook. So we started chatting, and he he's from the South. He doesn't believe in unions. He's against immigration. In fact, he even blamed the unions for the illegal immigrants coming from Mexico and East Texas. And I found by surprise for him was the UAW's position on immigration, which said it was duties of the federal government to to make rules on that. I looked up the Teamsters uh, message with the immigration, same thing. The AFL-CIO, we were all in compliance with one another, and we all said that it was going to be up to the U.S. government to um, make rules on immigration. So me and this guy, we had a lot of battles back and forth over Facebook about this. But anyway, that is not in the current uh, webpage of UAW.org. So if it's there and somebody can find it, let me know because I've looked and it's not there. So we're going to get into um, the basics of our preamble. Our preamble is the basis of our entire Constitution. And we talk about eight perceptions of democracy. We talked about it before, when you hear, hear the argument, one, free elections are used to select representatives of the people. Two, powers of government are based on the consent of the government. Number three, public questions are decided by the will of the majority. Four, the rule of law guarantees rights and freedoms. Number five, people retain the right to alter or abolish a government that comes that becomes destructive and form a new government. Number six, equality under the law is promised for all citizens. Number seven, majority rule will prevail with the rights of minorities. Number eight, the organization of the government is based on the separation of powers, which includes conceptions of checks and balances. Okay, so now we have read all those. You know, it doesn't seem to be working because what happened two weekends ago in Virginia. Well, I don't want to get into that right now. But the preamble speaks to secure these rights. Governments are instituted among men and women, private just powers, the consent of the government. I think I'm doing this right. Um, it's, 
probably one of the preamble has a lot of information that if you read it closely and um, think about what the words say, you'll find out that that um, our leadership in the UAW are in violation of the the preamble. It's just that easy. Um, let me get to the home UAW here. It doesn't take a genius to figure it out. Um, let me find this. I can't find what I'm looking for. Uh, when it speaks to when the principles of democracy, as you're looking for that, Jeff, let me just interject. The principles of democracy, when they speak to governance or governing, uh, that's not the, the necessarily the government of the United States or the state, any state you live in or any municipality, but this is about uh, uh, also about corporate governance. And uh, believe it or not, uh, UAW is a 501c5 nonprofit corporation. Okay, and uh, that's a union that represents a nonprofit that represent actually represents members. Uh, and so, uh, the governance of that nonprofit corporation is what they're speaking to. And while you have checks and balances in the governance. For example, there's supposed to be some separation between the finance uh, uh, officer and anybody that's the executive. Uh, so one of the things uh, that I've seen in my career is that because a financial secretary was buddies with the president, uh, the succession in the UAW is president, Vice President, Recording Secretary, but because the Finance Secretary was such good friends, he was often set in in the third spot uh, to replace and serve as President in the absence of the President and the Vice President. And the International had to come in and correct that. They did that on their own because they cannot, uh, there's a two-signature requirement internally on the checks for the any UAW and that finance secretary, financial secretary, cannot sign both lines. Uh, so um, there has to be a check and balance between the uh, executive and the financial branch of our great union here. Uh, and those need to be adhered to. That's part of the governance and the check and balances that they're talking about. Obviously, there are a lot more, uh, but that's one good example. Go ahead, Jeff. Okay. Um, there's, like I said, it's the first part of the Constitution, the very first page, section. It, um, to achieve these wholesome objectives, Management must accept its union organization and collective bargaining as an essential and constructive force in our democratic society. The workers must be 
provider with a meaningful voice in maintaining a safe and helpful workplace with decent working conditions and must enjoy secured rights together with satisfactory standards of living and maximum job security. Number three, the workers must have a voice in their own destiny and the right to participate in making decisions that affect their lives before such decisions are made. Number four, the UAW must pay, play an active role at all levels of government to protect the lives and rights of its members and their families. We must work constantly on the political and legislative problems facing the whole society. The union members must seriously take responsibility as citizens and workers through their union and individually to realize these goals of participatory democracy and responsibility and accountable government. Um, if you look at these items closely, I would have to say that our leadership is handcuffed to membership in making decisions that affect them unsuccessful in society. We have the second tier pay issue. We have alternative works schedules issue that's affecting a lot of plans. And we have um, our retirees have been taking a beating because they cannot vote on the contract. And I think that's just wrong. Um, so if we just mention real closely, you can see that our leadership on Jefferson Avenue is in violation of some of these. Um, so I got Leroy. Okay. Jeff, uh, with regard to the retirees, I think when we get your your series gets to Article 19, we'll have a couple of resolution suggestions. Uh, for the preamble, I believe that uh, we've discussed this resolution uh, that uh, might be in order, and that would be to change the word from workers that have a voice in their destiny and a vote to members that have a voice and a vote in their destiny. Uh, simple one-word change from uh, workers to members, uh, and that mm -hmm. would be in line with some later resolutions that uh, we probably will consider. Uh, so uh, would you think that's a good thing, a good change to make? It's a great change to make. There's a lot of changes that we need to make in our Constitution. Right. Um, and as we go through this series, we'll not only discuss what it's about, but if we believe that there's some resolutions that might be required to revamp our great Constitution just a little bit, tweak it here and there to correct some injustices mm -hmm. that have been going on that we're aware of. Uh, you know, maybe we can offer that every section, offer a resolution, if we think one's necessary. What do you think about that, Jeff? I, I agree. Um, we, I think we need to encourage everybody as we can get to uh, run for delegate 
and help us make some of these changes that need to take place. The convention is less than a year away, folks, and this is how we make the changes, is through the delegate convention. It's how we change the Constitution. Um, so brush up on the Constitution. We hope you run for a delegate. And um, we need your help, folks. We are willing to battle as hard as we can, but we also need people from every plant to uh, give us a hand. Right. The change comes at Constitutional Convention, and we're mm -hmm. going to have a whole series of resolutions based on the education of the Constitution that Jeff is committed to making a whole series uh, doing, and uh, the education telling you what it, what it is and what it's about. Preamble is the basis for everything, uh, and what's important in the preamble are the eight principles of democracy that are spoke of many times in the uh, the uh, uh, preamble, not actually uh, uh, listed, but those are when he read those eight to you. Those are the eight principles of democracy. When you go look them up, so we'll have those available on our dot com website. Uh, and we'll actually put the preamble in, in Jeff's series, uh, and then we'll have the resolution uh, available. We actually wrote this and put it in last time, so it would be an easy one to uh, just uh, resurrect and put back in. When we have the votes to pass something like that, then that will uh, uh, be easier to do that, and that's what Jeff talked about. We need the delegates there. so. David, do you have anything on this report of Jeff's? Um, no, other than um, I thought we did that uh, resolution um, last year to change the wording from workers to members. Um, right. but I believe that's one of the resolutions I got passed at my local. Yes. Right. Yeah, they passed a number of locals. I submitted them to my own local, Number and they passed. Abstentia, so it's kind of, kind of interesting. Yeah, right here it is. <laughs> I still yeah. have it. Good, good. Well, we'll put that on the website in, in resolution number one uh, for the preamble. Uh, so, uh, and that'll be on our on our dot com website, along with uh, the preamble and a little bit of Jeff's report for you, so that you can see. Uh, he did a nice job on the preamble tonight. Next week, you can, or I'm sorry, next week's Labor Day, so we're going to not have a show just for everybody's information. But the following the week after uh, Labor Day on September 10th, Jeff will be prepared to go after Article 1. And uh, I'll tell you all about that and the nuances of it. So we'll get through all of them between now and convention. Some of them are small, so we'll double up a couple of weeks. So um, Jeff's committed to that, right, Jeff? That's right. Thank you, brother. Uh, so having said that, it's uh, now uh, five minutes to eight. Uh, I want to talk about uh, my, my report. Has anybody else got any more on, on Jeff's report before I? No, I'm good. Good, good. Okay. I um, want to talk a little bit tonight about corporate espionage also called industrial espionage and cyber espionage. 
the definition is the covert and sometimes illegal practice of investigating competitors to gain a business advantage. The target of investigation might be a trade secret such as a proprietary product, specification, or formula, or information about business plans. Uh, the uh, what it might include is the acquisition of intellectual property, such as information on industrial manufacturer, ideas, techniques, process techniques and processes, recipes, and formulas. Um, it, it could also include sequestering of proprietary or operational information, as that on customer data sets, pricing, sales, marketing, research and development, contracts, policies, pros prospective bids, planning, marketing strategies, or the changing compositions and locations of, of production. Um, so that's the definition. As you notice, there are just about anything that a, that a company might do, uh, whether it's from a contract with a competitor or any other contract, uh, all the way to processes or just an idea. Just somebody might have an idea. Uh, is it illegal? Well, uh, 18 U.S.C. Section 1832 uh, makes illegal the theft of such trade secrets for commercial or economic gain. Uh, what, why is it done? People do it for... Uh, over time, it's been determined that they do it for financial gain, revenge, and sometimes simply ego motivation. Um, uh, these, uh, um, back to that one. Uh, what do you think a spy looks like? Perhaps images of dinner suits, martinis, Austin Martin spring immediately into mind, or maybe characterized, a character dressed in uh, head-to-toe in black uh, parasailing down a skyscraper in the dead of night. Well, not so much. In reality, of course, the secret of effective espionage is to shun the dramatic, blend in, and embrace the mundane. And it's no surprise, therefore, that spies do not look like 007 in reality. In fact, they could look more like, yes, even Henry from finance. In fact, Henry is probably more likely to be involved in espionage than your average sharply dressed character at a cocktail party, although he might not even know it. Um, uh, the, uh, I want to get back to this. Uh, oftentimes, these trends start at the most basic level, like pretending to be a volunteer or a mentor, and escalate into cyber warfare and even blackmail. Even blackmail. Because you see... Um, uh, you know, sometimes the worst that happens, the unfortunate truth is that regardless of the best preparations, a data leak caused by an insider 
is almost inevitable at some scale, whether accidentally or malicious activity, and probably is high, uh, is, is the probability is high that at some point your organization will suffer a, da a will uh, your organization will leak data. It is here that your corporate resiliency plan needs to be needs to include data forensics, real-time recovery of this critical and, and real-time uh, recovery of this information. Uh, oftentimes, when such espionage occurs, not much is done publicly because the perpetrator, uh, when addressed by the corporation, Corporation, no matter what kind of corporation or nonprofit it might be, uh, truly doesn't want information in the public venue about their espionage problem, whether it's trade secrets or a leak. And then the corporation, oftentimes, whatever kind of corporation, confronts the perpetrator and then finds out how they can best take advantage of the perpetrator to deal with their competition. And they put the perpetrator under obligation, under threat of lawsuit and loss of all property or possibly even jail time. Perpetrator then, aghast at his or her situation and how it could change their life forever, then capitulates and turns on the entity, the competition that he was trying to help he or she was trying to help. And that competition then gets uh, the appearance that the perpetrator is still their friend, competition's friend, but the perpetrator, he or she, really isn't their friend anymore. Because under threat of loss of property, in jail time, the perpetrator has to work against the corporate competition that he was initially trying to help, he or she. So corporate espionage is very interesting, uh, and it's also called corporate or industrial or cyber espionage. In today's modern day of technology, all manner of things occur. Uh, and sometimes the competition unwittingly listens to the perpetrator. And the perpetrator's never about helping the competition, but rather helping the corporation that found them or her out. So, uh, as I said earlier, this 
starts oftentimes very innocently for, you know, financial or uh, revenge or even ego-driven motivations. That the person can show everybody and show up everybody from the previous corporation. Oftentimes these uh, perpetrators are employees, uh, paid staff, uh, contract employers, or even retirees that still have access to sensitive information. So corporate espionage is very, very dangerous. And sometimes the perpetrator can be very, very dangerous to all parties. All parties. Because he or she, you never know if they're truly telling the truth. Because uh, a theft of a idea, product, production, manufacturing, all of those things, a theft makes that person a liar. And that person can no longer be trusted. Can no longer be trusted. Many perpetrators are highly, highly qualified people. And that's why they are able to influence folks to give them information. And as long as they use that information in an appropriate way to benefit the organization from which they derive the information, then that's fine. But the second that they cross that line, we talked about lines earlier, didn't we? The second that they cross the line, everything in their life changes. And that's sad. Because some of these people are very, very good people that get caught up and obviously the corporation doesn't want it public so while not called blackmail certainly put them under an obligation to do their bidding in other ways lesson learned be wary of shiny objects Be wary of the motivation of those bringing and bearing shiny objects. Do some research. Do some research. You never, ever know. You know, and we talk about it sometimes. <laughs> we talk about it sometimes. The... Uh, 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 one of the quotes that we use on the show from time to time is that you can't win the Kentucky Derby with plow horse. So sometimes Corporation A puts a perper, uh, perpetrator of a 
corporate espionage under uh, obligation to help them, and they go to Entity C and encourage a plow horse to be the competition rather than a thoroughbred. That's a little bit about corporate espionage for everybody's information. Um, I'm, uh, you know, I just, I always have my guard up when it comes time to assessing folks and situations. So, you know, you never know truly uh, if corporate espionage is going on or the perpetrator of such corporate espionage has been uh put under obligation, but uh, it does happen, folks, and everybody needs to be aware that that kind of thing occurs. Uh, that's all I have for my report this evening. I guess I kept it to about uh, around 13, 14 minutes. So, Jeff, do you have any questions? Uh, no, sir. You did a good job. Okay. Thank you. David? No, Larry, it's very clear to me. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, with having said all of that, I uh, uh, want to uh, close the show up here. We want to make sure that everybody has a wonderful and safe Labor Day weekend. Uh, and in consideration of Labor Day weekend next weekend, of the listeners and our staff's work-life balance, the show will not air live. Uh, there will be an encore show and be an interesting encore show, so we encourage you to listen if you're so disposed and it's worth listening to. We've covered it a couple times and worth listening to. Not We won't be into the, the uh, whole current issues. This is more educational on a broader issue. Uh, live broadcasting will return on September 10, 2017. Remember our email is working for a living at workingforaliving.com. Uh, if you get a chance, check out workingforaliving.com. Uh, it's worth taking a look at. Uh, our uh, agenda is on there. There's some folks out there that don't agree with our agenda, uh, but our agenda that supports the membership in all ways uh, and has for decades uh, and is now uh, been formulated as part of our team uh, is remains the same and it's always in the interest of the membership. So our agenda is there uh, per platform planks uh, in the form of platform planks. So you can see those there. We're always adding to those. Uh, also, uh, for the ease of listening, the, the, you know, the podcast is available on that workingforaliving.com on the top right-hand corner. You find Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and Player FM. If you found value in the show, please tell just one more person. I want to thank everybody around the world that listens across our uh, continent, uh, in North, uh, Canada and Mexico, and everybody in the United States that's a member of the UAW especially. We thank you for listening. And those that aren't a member of the UAW, we certainly thank you for listening. And maybe someday you, you too can be a UAW member. Uh, making it easier for that to occur. Uh, so having said all of that, listeners, have a great 
for uh, uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, good night, stay safe, and we'll see you again on September 10th. Good night, everyone. Good night, David and Jeff. Good night, guys.